Okie, hello there, and welcome to the Fox Den. Mistu Anagok Biksipidaki. I am Andrea Truejoy Fox, your host for Talks with a Fox. I'm happy you have joined me on this colorful adventure of self-discovery and lifelong learning. Throughout my journey, I have met some amazing human beings who are living inspirational and intentional lives as they fulfill their purpose and share their gifts with the world. I am excited to share these conversations with you, as well as some stories from my life as a Blackfoot woman, Nitsutabiaki, and as a teacher and artist who is navigating through this exciting and beautiful world we live in, challenges and all. So grab a tea or coffee and get ready to feel inspired as you reflect on your own exciting journey and your connection to the world. We are in this together, and there is so much for us to learn and share. Let's do this. Be sure to stop by our Instagram page at Talks of the Fox Podcast and our Facebook page as well at Talks of the Fox Podcast and, of course, our Buzzsprout website. And that way you can always keep up with all the updates. It means so much to me that you are on this journey with us. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to the Fox Stan. I'm your host, Andrea Truejoy Fox for Talks with a Fox podcast. Today I have a guest that many of you may recognize from season one. And I just have to say how happy I was that we could reconnect and talk about his latest project. Because as you may remember him from our first season, we talked about one of his books and all the wonderful work that he does to support physical activity and wellness in the communities across the country. You may remember him as Ryan Foy. Ryan Foy is a three-time author, educator, and international speaker of all things wellness and personal growth. He is the owner of Foy Consulting, which aims to help people and organizations move from good to great. Born in Nova Scotia, Ryan has dedicated his life to pursuing wellness and is widely considered a leader in the wellness and education sectors. Today, we get to talk about his latest book, How to Thrive in Remote Working Environments. And how important is that? Especially if we think about the times that we're living in right now, you know, as we all have experienced what working and living and surviving and thriving throughout this pandemic has been like for each of us. You know, we all have a unique experience, but when we can lean into support and we have tools to help us through these challenging times, such as Ryan's book, which we'll talk about here soon, we can be prepared and we can be armed with tools that are going to help us not only survive, but as the book says, to thrive. So I would love to welcome back Ryan Foy. Hello, Ryan, and welcome. Hello, Andrea, and um, thank you. Thanks for having me back on your uh, Talks with a Fox uh, podcast. I'm excited to be here and uh, excited to be one of your speakers here for the wellness series. So thanks again for having me, and I'm excited to uh, 
to share some insights from the book today with with your listeners. I am just so happy you're here. I remember, you know, we had you in season one and you were t- we talked about your book, Your Best Decade. By the way, listeners, if you don't have that book, what are you waiting for? Because that is a whole other gem in itself. So I'm just happy to talk to you about thriving, a word that has really struck a chord with me over these last couple of years has been Thrive. I'm just going to talk a little bit here about the history of Indigenous peoples and what we have encountered and more recently everything that has been discovered and what's going on. The word survive has been a word that some of us have connected with because we've had to survive and I'm at a point in my life where I really want to hear and see communities talk and move towards thriving. I think Any human being who has been through their own challenges in life can relate to that and how sometimes we can get caught up in the survival mindset. But when I looked at your book and I read through it, I love the word in your book title, Thrive, because as human beings, we really need to move towards a thriving mindset, no matter how daunting, no matter how challenging life has been. It really impressed me and amazed me when you and I were talking and you were preparing to launch your book. By the way, congratulations. Can you please give us a summary (laughs) or a little snapshot of what your book is about? I know we're going to unpack the details as we go through, but just in short. Yeah, absolutely, Andrea. And you make a really good point. You know, I would say, I mean, especially recently, but especially, you know, when we look since the onset of the pandemic, which really was the beginning of this book, um, you know, the pandemic has really just inserted itself into everyone's life in some way, shape or form. It's, it's changed the way we interact. It's changed the way we connect. It's, it's changed a lot of things about how we work and and how we live. And, you know, I, I, when I think back to when the book really began as a thought, it was, it was because I felt myself, very similar to what you were saying in terms of uh, just just in sort of survival mode, right? We we one day there was life without the pandemic, and then the next day, at least here in Canada, it was like, okay, now we have to deal with this. And I think a lot of us were just thrown into this new way of working, these new ways of living. You know, okay, now you got to have bubbles, and you got to be able to do this, and you got to go here, and every day those those. Um, rules, those policies were, were changing. And one of the things that I've learned over the last year, and, and I talk a little bit about when I when we talk about the book, is unpredictable stress. And and that's really what we're a lot of people are facing, right? It, every day, you know, there there's kind of an onslaught of media, there's an onslaught of changes, there's new decisions being made, there's new information that we, we need to consume for, for our own public health. And it's very uh, stressful. Right. It's it's uh, it's a lot. And so similar to what you said earlier, Andrea, the book was really designed to um, really serve as a a bit of a protection mechanism from a feeling of, you know, uh, feelings of being out of control or feelings of not having, you know, control when it comes to our own well-being as we navigate these remote environments. The book has strategies and and uh, pieces throughout it that really allow the reader to gain that control back, you know, whether it's focusing in on, you know, looking at where your energy is going and why it's going there, 
uh, or looking at things like how to add value in remote working environments and how to trust yourself and how to trust your your own routines that you build in your days and your weeks, giving, giving power back to yourself in, in times where things are just always changing and the waves are just coming at us. It's, um, it's, it's such a powerful thing. And I know we're going to get into it a little bit more, but, um, but that was really one of the reflections that I was having before the book was why am I feeling like this? Why, you know, there's gotta be a way to, uh, you know, thrive in these conditions. There's got to be a way to kind of um, manage the stress, manage the the um, the changes and the waves that are coming at us. And how do we do that? Uh, and how do we do that very clearly and very succinctly? And and that's why it's a it's a little tiny book of awesomeness. I call it. So yeah, <laughs> you nailed it absolutely. And I love in the back of your book here it states. This book is about the internal systems, routines, decisions, reflections, and manifestations that can help you thrive within your career in remote work without compromising your sanity, performance, or well-being. And while, yes, career, but I mean all of these amazing pieces that you tie together are also part of our personal lives. You know, what we do personally affects us professionally and vice versa. So I I just love how, you know, you talk about the internal systems because quite often, as we know, everything starts with ourselves. And I, I really, what I appreciate about your two books, including this one, is how you always find a way to bring it back to the internal part of each of us, the reader, because everything starts from within and then what we project outward is a reflection of that. I really appreciate that from your best decade, the looking inward and also how to thrive in remote working environments. So since the pandemic, we're now over a year living through this. The word remote work is just something that is now a year ago would have been still kind of new to people or getting used to, but now we're maybe we're in this routine of, okay, I'm working remotely. It's not so foreign to me. What does that term really mean to you, Ryan, remote work? Great uh, question, Andrea. So this is actually, uh, I had this conversation with my editor because came up with the title. And then I, of course I did a Google search everywhere trying to figure out you know, did somebody already write a book on this specific title? And the answer was no. So I was like, okay, I'm, this is how I'm going to frame the book. Um, and then I build it from there. But then when I was getting ready to publish, um, I thought about, okay, there's like, you know, tree planting is a remote, uh, a remote job. Um, but when we talk about, at least since the onset of the pandemic, when we talk about remote work, it's often referred to as work that can be done from remoting in, in terms of, you know, I have a, technological device or a computer or whatever, and I can remote work in to the systems that, that we have, uh, to do our work. So that, so when I, when I talk about remote working environments, I, I talk about the, that type of work. So not necessarily, you know, working, um, you know, in a completely remote off grid, um, job more so, you know, say you worked at an office for 20 years and all of a sudden the pandemic forced you to work from home, or work remotely, it, it's really it, what I mean by remote work is that. And um, and to your point, Andrea, you know I'm not the first writer to write about remote work. There's there's definitely some others out there who have written in this space, and it's been around for 
quite a few years. But um, just to give you some some quick statistics, I know that pre-pandemic, about 55% of the global workforce had some form of working remotely or working from home option. And I don't know what the statistics are now. I would imagine that coming out of this pandemic, it's going to be much higher. And I, you know, I see every week on LinkedIn or online that there's a new policy coming out or there's a new kind of incentive for um, remote workers, um, whether it's to move to Newfoundland. Newfoundland has a, has a big push on right now to come live in Newfoundland. You know, um, you can work remotely from here and enjoy, you know, paddles on the Atlantic Ocean and then go back to your meetings in the afternoon. And I think it's just really changing the way that uh, we look at um, the way we look at things. You know, I think, you know, I grew up in a really small town. I grew up, I grew up before there was dial up internet, you know, and now to see at 32 years old that, you know, you can be, you know, you and I are doing this podcast and we're two completely different parts of Canada um, and we're able to do that. I think it's just, it's really interesting where future of remote work is going to go. And if we're not prepared with the tools and the strategies and the resources that we need, um, we can't just assume that well-being is going to happen. Like we, you know, we have to invest in the books and invest in the apps and the technology potentially that um, they can support our well-being. And this is one book that can help with that. So that was my, that was my idea around it. And that's uh, when I look at remote work and the prevalence of it, I, I just see it's going to continue on even after the pandemic is over. That's fantastic. I mean, your book is literally a toolbox for anybody who is working remotely or planning to, or not only those in career who are working remotely, but it's packed with so much. I I want to talk about chapter three, adding value. You focus quite a bit on the part of value and seeking out moments each day where you feel you can add value. And of course, your journaling, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I know is something you also talked about in your previous two books. Now, when you talk about adding value, how would that look for somebody who is living alone or working alone and for them to be able to see how they're adding value to what the work they're doing? Yeah, great question, Andrea. Thanks. Thanks for asking that. It's um, so I was actually listening to one of your other episodes. I believe it was with Paula um, and I believe she's creating a, a, an indigenous school here in Ottawa. Um, and she was f- uh, fantastic by the way. And I love what she said around the education system and how, you know, we, we have all these boxes within the system on how we expect kids to learn, but you know, there, there's alternatives to that. And this is something that is a huge gap that I found find in my life. No one has ever taught me to measure how I add value. Like you're not, you're never really assessed on that ever, like in university or in school it's always based on a performance indicator, right? Like, okay, you, you know, you got to write this test and that, therefore you're going to get a, you know, an 80% if you get this many, right. And so we measure that, but we, we go, you know, those first 20 or 18 years of our lives, never really actually having to measure or be held to a measurement of, of our value and what, what value that we add. And so then we end up in the workforce and we're working and we use, again, performance measurements, right? Like if we're in education, we set professional goals for the year and they're typically aligned with a school board improvement plan or something like that. 
And then in business, you know, it's very much quarterly, you know, you got to meet these sales, which again is a performance thing. But what about value? And to me, value is, is far more important um, than, than anything else. Because at the end of the day, if you can add value, I believe everything else falls into place, you're, including your happiness, your inner joy, your inner peace, because you're adding value from, from a place of your heart. You're adding value from a, a place of strength. And it's just, it's just often overlooked. So to your question on how does this look for someone working remotely, you know, it can be as simple as um, looking for that. So for a good example that I've seen in my own work um, is, you know, there's there certain kind of boxes that you do got to check within the, within the job. But if there's a way during the day or a specific moment where I can step up and add more value, regardless of the outcome, I look for that. And when I find it, I jump on it. Uh, and I know that that's a value adding moment in the day or in the week or or whatever that looks like. And I think that those are things that we can then take back and we can record in our journal and say, I added value here today. So regardless of whether, you know, the company goes under or the company does really well, the fact that you're adding value, it should allow you to sleep well at night. <laughs> you know, that you're, 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 you're leading from a place of a emotional, heartfelt leadership where I'm looking for the value and I'm going to add it here. And another thing that I've done, and I recommend this to anyone working remotely, and, and this can be completely private, is uh, creating an accomplishment spreadsheet. And within that accomplishment spread, spreadsheet, you can talk about the value that you're adding. And no one has to see it. It can be completely private. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not something to inflate your ego. It's just a place for you to capture these moments so that if you're having a bad day or you're really feeling, you know, stressed or alone or uh, just down, then you can look back at the spreadsheet and think about all of those moments you added value or all these great accomplishments that you've had, um, regardless of how you might be feeling in that specific moment. So that's another strategy that I do talk about in that, in that chapter. And I, and I've done it and, and, um, you know, I found it to be really helpful on those cold winter days when you just feel kind of down and out and, you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're all alone <laughs> in your remote environment. It's just really helpful to uh, get your bearings and kind of, you know, reorient your, your, your mindset to continue just to, to seek out those moments to add value and then to, to add it every day. Nicely put. I just love that. And what came to mind, teachers, it's almost like for anybody who goes into education, you're an educator yourself. I believe most of us have that built in us, that sense of wanting to add value, especially mm -hmm. working with kids. You want to do that regardless of what the lesson plan says or what your professional growth plan says. That's already built within us, those that choose a profession in teaching. I really appreciate that, how you talk about that. And I think having the accomplishment spreadsheet is important because we can get swept away in the everyday work that we do and to actually have a visual reminder in front of us, especially those moments when we need a little pick me up, that accomplishment spreadsheet can come in handy in so many ways. I'm really glad that you put that in there. And that's what I really appreciate about your two books that I've read. It's like a workbook. You're doing stuff. You're not just reading it. I think that's what your readers take away from what you have produced in these two books here is there's work that they can do as they work through it. I found when I read it, it's not a super thick book. 
but it's packed with so many gems. You also take your time through it. You're constantly reflecting. You're constantly assessing yourself and asking yourself questions, or you ask the reader questions rather, and we're stopping and thinking. And that's what I really appreciate about how to thrive in remote working environments. So my next question here that I want to talk about is the imposter syndrome. I've been seeing a lot of that online. People writing sometimes a vulnerable post or really opening themselves up and they talk about feeling like an imposter. Can you unpack that for us, what imposter syndrome is? Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is another aspect of the book, Andrea, that, you know, there's been other writers before me write about this. Um, But from what I, you know, I wrote about this from a place of understanding as it relates to to what I've experienced in, in my remote work. Um, and imposter syndrome is very interesting because I mean, first of all, some of the research out there indicates that 70% of folks deal with this in some form, uh, in some different ways. Um, and sometimes it can be really, really, uh, paralyzing. And sometimes it can be very kind of slight and just a little bit of, uh, kind of there beside you. But, um, the reason why I write about it in this book is because, you know, you can get like basically with imposter syndrome, if I were to break it down really, really simple for the listener, it's basically feeling like you, you don't belong in, in this specific place, uh, even though that you're, you're completely skilled and you're completely qualified and you're completely capable of doing task and work X, Y, and Z. And so there's nothing validating that um, you can't do the job there's nothing validating or saying that like there's no evidence saying that you're not qualified but you just feel that you're not qualified that you're an imposter and so that's basically what imposter syndrome is and I do have a more kind of sophisticated model on it in the book but you know in remote working environments it can be amplified because you don't have that validation you don't have that human to human interaction anymore So, you know, you can read a room, right? Like Andrew, you and I, we've been in rooms where, I mean, I've watched you give keynotes and you can, you can stand up there and give a keynote and you can see the audience, you can see who you're speaking to and you can, you, that, the, the, the looks on the faces, the eye contact, all of that validates, okay, this is like, my points are valid. I, this is what I need to be saying. This is exactly what I prepared for. And you get that validation, Whereas right now you're on Zoom and you're giving a keynote or you're giving a talk or whatever, someone might have a camera off or, you know, uh, whatever the case is, it's just really, really hard to get any of that validation back. And so this, this cycle just deepens, it continues. You just feel like, well, did I, you know, do I really belong here? Do I really, like, am I really capable of doing this work? Um, and you know, it, 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 it can be really, um, I mean, we could spend all day, I think, talking about imposter syndrome, but it's it's just one of those things where it's just I feel like it's very amplified, and it's really it's not a, a like a like a medical diagnosis either. So you know, you're not going to go in to see a, a doctor and say, you know, give me a prescription for my imposter syndrome um, because it just doesn't. It's not in the medical book. So it's just a very kind of underlooked and. Um, under talked about topic and I tackle it a little bit in this book and and to your point Andrea you know the book is small and concise but 
I would encourage folks, you know, if, if you're listening on the line here and you are struggling or you feel like that, that might be you, there, there's some great research out there to check out, um, that I reference in my book. And, and I mean, you could just do a search on some other authors as well who've written about it. And I think it's a really important, uh, or, you know, a really important thing to not only acknowledge if you have a bit of that and then, Mm. And then step back from that and say, well, why is that? Like, is it really, is there evidence to back up why I'm feeling this way? And if there's not, then, um, you know, again, back to some of the strategies, like building some strategies around protecting yourself, protecting your mindset so that you don't, you know, believe every story that you tell yourself. And, uh, and I think that that's really important, especially if we want to thrive in, in these remote working environments. You know, that is the work that we do that you don't outright see or physically recognize. That's the internal work. Your book focuses on the internal part, the internal systems. Just as you were talking about that, it brought me to chapter five, developing your EQ over your IQ. I really enjoyed this chapter, by the way, just so much to take away and how you discuss emotional and social intelligence, leadership competencies. I really appreciate the visual on page 57. I'm so glad you wrote this chapter because, again, quite often we measure or add value to what's going on intellectually, and sometimes we miss or we neglect our emotional and social intelligence parts of who we are, which really are a large part of who we are and what we do and how we do what we do. Can you talk about that? What is EQ? What does EQ mean? Yeah, so and and great uh, great find there, Andrea. That that was a fun chapter to write. You know, I remember <laughs> in my teacher training, learning a little bit about emotional intelligence, or as you mentioned, EQ. Um, but then you kind of lose sight of it, right? In 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 the workforce and in in life. But EQ, in terms of emotional intelligence, sometimes it's called. Um, EI, it might be as well. There, there's different ways it can be abbreviated. Um, but a lot of the work in, in the book, I, I reference around Daniel Goleman. So Daniel Goleman is a professor out of Harvard University. He also runs the Institute of Health and Human uh, Human Performance, I believe. Uh, and he has some great work around this. So I encourage folks to check him out as well. But um, the idea behind emotional intelligence is uh, and depending on the type of work you do, it can be equally or more, even more important than intellectual intelligence. And, you know, this comes down to things like uh, understanding how to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, having a high sense of empathy, having a high sense of understanding uh, what a colleague might be going through, even though you're not physically in the room with them anymore. Those are emotional uh, or forms of emotional intelligence coming out. So really hiring for those, focusing on those, developing those. Um, there's different resources online that, that um, you know, if there's any, any employers or principals listening to this, you can buy them for your staff um, and really just use them as discussion items to talk about how we can further build emotional intelligence um, and not just focus again on the intellectual side. So it's very, very important. Uh, and we've had some really great discussions in our home about it because you know, my, my, my partner, my wife here, she's a nurse and the skills both emotionally and intellectually that she, uh, exudes at her, at her work are so different than, than mine. And, it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about her days and, 
and compare our work. And it's, it's very interesting that the, the range of emotional intelligence that, you know, she needs to have as, as a nurse at the bedside of a particular patient who maybe, you know, can't be verbal in that moment is, has to be so high. Um, and then there's moments in my work, even remotely, where you have to understand, you know, what's happening and how someone might be feeling in this particular part of the country at this moment. And, you know, you, you need to be able to understand that you're picking up the phone and making that phone call is more important than sending an email. And um, it looks different for everyone, but I would encourage listeners to definitely dive into emotional intelligence a little bit more and and to tell talk to somebody about it because it's, it's very... Um, you know, abstract sometimes, but very interesting, um, interesting knowledge. Absolutely. I think vital to our sanity. I know you talk about that in the book here. It's a big part of how we're going to thrive, if you will, in the work that we do and in our personal lives. I mean, I enjoyed it all, but chapter five really stuck out to me for many reasons. So listeners, I want to encourage you to pick up Ryan's book, how to thrive in remote working environments, because whether you are working in a remote environment or not, or whether you are currently focusing on your own personal growth, this is a must read because there's so much packed in here that you can take away that will enhance your life in many ways. I want to congratulate you, Ryan, for writing your third book. What an accomplishment. That better be on your accomplishment spreadsheet. (laughs) Thank you. This is great. And what you're doing is adding value to the lives of many people in the world. Whoever should be so lucky to pick up your books or to work with you. I know the work that you do with Physical Health Education Canada, that work in itself speaks on many levels and how passionate you are about creating opportunities for people to think more deeply and connect more deeply and all focused around wellness. Now, before we wrap up here today, um, we're just going to go into the final four. And I think you know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) All righty, here we go. Question one, how do you nourish your body? How do I nourish my body? How long do I have to respond? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll be quick, but um, these are actually two things I do talk about in the book as well. But I focus a lot this past year and a bit on sleep routines and quality sleep routines and physical activity routines. So when I look at nourishing my body, yeah, there's obviously, you know, food and whatnot, but I really focus on getting a high quality sleep and, um, and doing 30 to 60 minutes of physical activity every day. And to me that that's nourishment. Beautiful. Sleep is so important to us as well as physical activity. Wow. I, I really appreciate that. Okay, next question. What is your comfort go-to food? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, well, you know, I got to say just before this call, uh, I was into the goldfish, um, Andrea. So I I think I might be a goldfish, uh, you know, like you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming all listeners know what I, what I mean when I say goldfish, but <laughs> there's like uh, there's a bag you can buy now and it's a, quite a combination. It's half pretzel and half cheddar. And uh, when I get a hold of those, it's a game over. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. You know, what's funny is I packed that for lunch today. So oh, good. <laughs> that's one of the snacks <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Um, what is one thing that made you smile this past weekend? Well, that's a tough one. You know, it's been a, it's been a bit of a heavy time um, in Canada and in uh, in all of our lives, and it's been a real reflective time for me. But one, I will say to your question, Andrea. One thing, I just turned 32 in April and I vowed to myself that I would smile more at 32 because 31, back to the unpredictable chronic stress, it was, there was just a lot going on and, and uh, a lot of turbulence and trying to smile more this year. So I would say the one thing, despite everything that has been going on, that, that gave me an uh, opportunity to smile over the past couple of days was, um, you know, I was camping with my, with my wife and my sister-in-law. Um, and we were having a bonfire and we were just telling stories and talking and catching up and talking about family and talking about where we want to be and what we want to do. And it was just a really special moment. Um, and it was quiet. We were, you know, removed from social media and media and everything. And it was just a really peaceful, peaceful moment. And, um, and I just really appreciated that time. It was really nice. Yes. Connecting with your loved ones and in nature. What a beautiful way to unwind and good for you. (laughs) Okay. Final question for the final four. How has your life changed since writing How to Thrive in Remote Working Environments? Well, that is a great question, Andrea. So the the book did hit number one uh, in Canada on Amazon. um, And that it was funny, you know, when I was publishing the book, I remember planning for it to be number one. I was like, you know, it's, it's like anything, right. You know, if you're running your first race, you make a plan, like, this is what I'm going to do. Or, you know, if you're making a road trip, this is where my destination is. And that was what I did with the book. And when it hit number one, I didn't know what to do. I didn't plan for that. Like I plan, I planned for getting it there. But then when it happened, I literally went for a walk and I was like, I don't know who to call. I mean, I called my parents and called my wife, but I didn't really know. Okay. Like what, what I was like, how to manage those emotions that come with that. And like, how do I tell the world or like, what do I even say? It was, it was just this awkward, but yet funny and ironic moment where I was like, well, I planned for this. And, um, and I didn't expect it to happen, but to your question, you know, it was super interesting for a week. It was up there, you know, with some of the other big books and in the, in the space and competing, I think it cracked the top 50 on Amazon, uh, in, I think personal growth and it was number one and work-life balance and small business and a few other categories. It was really, really special. And, um, for me, you know, growing up in a little small town, um, the first thing I did was when I told you I called my parents, I chatted with them and, you know, my parents were just so proud and it was a real special moment, um, just shared with the three of us. Um, and I'll never forget it. You know, I didn't really, before I told everybody else, I wanted to acknowledge my parents and, and how much they've invested and done for me. And in fact, that was a big milestone it was really special, but you know, after that, you know, it's business as usual and it's just kind of life goes on, but that was a really, really special moment when uh, when the book came out, for sure. Absolutely, and congratulations again, Ryan. And yes, I'm. I know your parents are so proud of you, and Amber, and all your friends and colleagues. You really, truly are an inspiration, Ryan. And gosh, we've been colleagues. You've been a mentor to me, <laughs> and we're friends. You really bring a lot of light into this world, and 
the fact that you're sharing your knowledge with others just says so much about who you are as a human being. So thank you for doing that for everyone who is blessed to have access to you and your knowledge. I know that you're going to continue to do some amazing things and you live by what you speak about, which is also another wonderful characteristic of who you are. And I look forward to seeing what you do next and hearing about it. And I just want to thank you for coming back onto the podcast. We really enjoyed having you. And I know our listeners are going to take away so much from this conversation, as well as the books that you've written. I will put all the links up for everyone who's listening of where you can access Ryan's books. And please do. These books will change your lives. Well, thanks, Andrea. And th- thanks again for having me on here and for all that you you do. Um, I'm to your point, you know, I'm just so glad we continue to stay connected. And, um, you know, we always, we always have so much to talk about. I feel like we could, you know, be sitting around a bonfire for days at at this point in our lives. And, and I look forward to seeing you again soon, hopefully in person, maybe doing next season or season after that in person somewhere. But, um, yeah, thanks again for having me and thanks to, to your listeners for sticking around and, and, uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Wonderful. Many blessings to you and yours. Thanks, Andrea.